always knew that Brogan would do something great in his life. This isn't what I thought it was. And I just remember that hitting home like, yeah, he was destined for some kind of greatness. I mean, he was just that kind of person. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, achieve your dream, and then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. I am here today with Beth McVeigh Dully, and Beth actually is my older sister's friend. And so I grew up with Beth, and Beth is here to talk about a number of things, uh, the majority of which is going to revolve around your son, Brogan, mm. and the outcomes from that. But I want to welcome Beth. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here, too. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, I'm just going to let you know that Beth is a little nervous. And my <laughs> sister told me that to make her feel better, if I make fun of my sister, she will laugh at that. So if you hear me making fun of my sister or I make fun of Beth, know that it's all in good spirits. Okay? So they don't think I'm a total jerk, right? Yes. And I'm allowed to make fun of you, too, right? <laughs> well, that's a given. We know you'll do okay. that. Okay. 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 Uh, Beth, give us some background. Where did you grow up? Your family of origin. Okay. I grew up in partially in Mount Lookout, which is how I met Sarah and her older sister. Thank you for that. And yeah. And then I moved over to um, further to the edge of Hyde Park, uh, Walnut Hills, and finished out my adolescence there. Got married. Lived in Atlanta a couple years. I didn't know that. Yeah. A little bit. Oh, I didn't know that. Long enough to after have, school, after no, college. No, I I had one child here, moved down there, had two, came home pregnant with third in two years, uh, actually fourth, fourth child. So I have six, five boys and a girl. Yeah, I love that. And you are one of seven. And your birth order? I am number five. So do you consider yourself middle or babies? So what we have is, um, and it's kind of goofy, but the top three we call first family and the yeah. bottom three we call second family and then tim is in the middle my son not my son my brother tim and he swings both ways but uh tom <laughs> teen and i are second family and now my family has morphed into the same thing with my kids same okay same. so we have a first family and a second family and a second very cool okay uh so still married i am i awesome. am to my husband tom yeah my you guys got married young uh, yeah, I was young. He not so much, but no, he was on the younger side. Yes, I was engaged in college, dork. Um, but <laughs> yes, I had my first child when I was young, but it was, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely not. First of all, tell us about Brogan. Tell us like what he was like, because I didn't really know him. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, he was the funniest kid. Yeah. He was tall and lanky uh -huh. and this skinny little twig um he's a swimmer and so he had zero body fat most of the time uh, we had a friend who used to say that you could tell when brogan's bladder was full just because he'd be standing <laughs> at getting ready to swim and he'd have like this little bulge he had, he had like an eight pack or something but um he was just goofy i don't know if you've seen seinfeld but brogan yeah. was like kramer we called him kramer a lot no he way. Was like oh yeah he'd come slamming into a room or bounce around whatever but um super funny super smart um 
if you had a trivia team, you wanted Brogan on there because he knew stuff like no one should know. And where was um, he in the birthing order? He's number two. Oh, okay. So he's um, two years younger than his older brother and a year older than his than the next one. They're a year and a week apart. In fact, this is birthday month and we have three birthdays in one week. So he oh kicks gosh. off birthday week. He kicks off birthday week. He kicks week. off birthday week. Do you still celebrate his birthday? Absolutely. You do? Oh, yeah. What do you do? I love that. Well, Betsy's birthday yeah. is the day after. So um, we typically, and even when he was alive, we combined their birthdays a lot of times. Um, and sometimes even Adam's just because they were all so close. And, yeah. Yeah. We'd have like, you know, three Bon Bonnery cakes and everyone's getting sick because it was like sweetness <laughs> overload. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we usually do a cake. We really haven't celebrated his separately, I don't think. Mm -hmm. It's usually just on Betsy's. We'll have a cake for Brogan as well. Okay. But. So, funny kid, smart, very athletic, it sounds like. He was a swimmer. Uh, he was a water creature. I would not call him a land creature. To see okay. Brogan run was, <laughs> I can't even... He's just a lot of arms and legs going on at the same time. None of it flowing very well, but in the water he was. He was very graceful. He had a beautiful stroke. So, hmm. so yeah. Did he coach too? He did. He coached at um he coached like club year-round club at Mercy Healthplex, their Seawolves team, and then he was the summer club coach at Turpin Hills. Okay. Uh all right, you want to take us back to that story cuz some listeners will know it and some won't. Sure. Um, I got a call on a Monday night um, from my brother-in-law. My husband had just left town to go to St. Louis. And my brother-in-law called and said, hey, what's going on with Brogan? He hasn't been at practice to coach. And that's not Brogan. Like, he would do whatever. He used to take the bus from Clifton on a regular basis to get out to uh to Anderson to coach. Mm -hmm. And so it was weird. And I hadn't been able to reach him the, the day before. He was mm -hmm. going to come out and do some work around the house. But he also left that caveat after I had talked to him the night before. But I'm going out. So it kind of depends on how late I'm out. My buddy came in town. Um, so it was like, whatever. So I didn't hear from him. We were prepping for uh, my oldest was graduating from UC. Okay. And uh, number four was graduating from Turpin. So there's a lot going on. We were trying to get all that stuff together. Um, so anyway, my brother-in-law called. I immediately was like, if Brogan didn't go to swimming, there's a real problem here. Mm -hmm. So I called two of my sons um, and said, can you go check his apartment, see what's going on? He lived with his older brother, Will, okay. but Will was out of town. And oh. so I sent uh, Adam and Tim, who were the next down. Two. Yeah. And they went to his apartment. They couldn't get in. His other roommate wasn't around. Um, they finally got a hold of the landlord and they were able to get in and he wasn't there. So, but I, you know, his, his, his phone was not there, but his wallet, everything else was there. Okay. Um, so I'm now freaking out. I've called my husband. I'm like, you need to get home. We have no idea where Brogan is. His phone was going straight to voicemail. voicemail. Um, and I was able to pull up his records, and there was nothing since I think he had one text after he had texted me on that Saturday night. Um, called that number. Poor kid. Was, he was like one of the coaches or something at, at, at uh, Seawolves. Yeah, and he was just like, uh, Mrs. Dully, I have no idea. You know, like we exchanged something about scheduling. Yeah. So um, then this is just, 
I we I called a police officer friend of mine and I was like, it, it, he could be at the morgue. And they're like, he's like, he wouldn't be at the morgue. Like, they don't lose bodies. Like, if there was a body found, they you'd hear about you it, you know, know, somebody. So, um, yeah, so I kind of freaked out because that's how I roll. Well, um, also, in, in who, hindsight, who the hell wouldn't? In hindsight, it turned out to be kind of the right thing to do. Yeah. But so the older boys that had gone, they went. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When that happened, did you know? Um, I would say briefly, I, I thought something, but I thought it was more along the lines of, like he somehow did an overdose. I mean, my kids said that they weren't doing anything, but heroin had just started getting really crazy. And I had no indication or no reason to even think Brogan was doing that. But for whatever reason, in my mind, I was like, he's in his apartment. Something bad has happened. Not not what happened. Like, I, it's not how it ended up like I thought. But um, so, yeah, initially, well, obviously, I went straight to the thought of the morgue. Right. Um which is but you know so how like horrible. some people have like, just an intuition. I again until the kids saw the apartment empty, then I felt better. Then I kind of lost that. Okay, okay, you know what I'm saying? Because I was like, that was my first thought was to because got to get a hold of. He was going to be there, right? And it was a Sunday night. No one's around. You know, I can't get a hold of them. I don't know how you even call the morgue. Right. I don't need that. <laughs> By the way, is it called the morgue or the coroner's office? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Okay. That's well, a, that's the morgue is like where his body would have been, is my guess. And the coroner's office oh, good is point. like. See, this is that's why you're where, smarter than me. Well, no, that's just what, that's how I break it down. Okay. But okay. anyway, um, so I got a good friend of mine, Whitney, and yeah. we. Who, by the way, suggested that you be on this podcast like a year ago. Did you know that? I did, and I still haven't forgiven her. <laughs> but, you know, there's that. Hey, Whit. Um, but God love her. She. Drove around with me to all mm. of the emergency rooms, and we're, you know, it's weird. You walk into an emergency room. Do you have a John Doe here? You know, who wants? To, it's so crazy. And oh, right. um, you know, so I'm describing him, and they call around, and it was, it was an experience because now it's two in the morning, and the ERs at that hour are already an experience. Yeah. But um, so anyway, we don't find him there. So my husband came home, and then. My sister, oh, I waited and waited, hemmed and hawed about what to do. And then I put it on Facebook and just said, hey, if anyone has seen Brogan, we can't locate him. Well, then it just started kind of spreading. All my friends were calling, you know, like people were sharing it. And um, then my sister started walking around in Clifton. And um, we were trying to get a hold of the kids he was with. That was proving to be a little bit difficult just because he had the one kid had come in from out of town for school he went to school out of town he came in and um he'd already gone back to school oh. and i was i didn't know his number so i was trying i was having trouble locating him um again my other son the one will was his roommate he was out of town right the other roommate we just it wasn't working out that we could get any details from anybody so uh we tried to reach out to the friends we did know nobody knew anything so my sister was walking around, then some of my kids were down there, and then it slowly started snowballing. And I had a son who, this is such a horrible story, he lived in a house on um, McMillan. Yeah. In like the, where Hughes Station is now or whatever. Anyway, in Clifton. And they were, 
like leaving the apartment. So they had no power, nothing. And so all these people are like collecting on his front porch because he's got nothing inside for them. You know, oh they're in the dark. So the people are all collecting on this porch and they're starting to do the searching. And we stayed home just because we were trying to figure out we were meeting with the police at that point. You were we, meeting at the Yeah, police. we were manning the phone um, because we were hoping, you know, that he would call or somebody would call. So slowly morphed into my sister, Rockstar, um, putting together this whole search operation out of off this front porch. And then eventually Brad Gilpin, he owned Gilpin's on. Um, What's that? Uh, it was a sandwich place. Oh, okay. Um, he made like steam sandwich but okay he's awesome he was a coach at turpin and he happened to walk by adam's porch and was like hey what are you doing and then he was like if you need space so he um had them all come down to his place on um that's okay it's that's all right a little street <laughs> sorry mr gilpin yeah where um chipotle is like oh i just ate there today west clifton okay that sound right anyway yeah, um no. he had a a little restaurant there and he gave them space and so then it began this huge operation and eventually spilled out into um well then he closed completely so that we could turn it into a huge headquarters and then it spilled over into that dubois parking lot it was right across the street and so people were donating tents and we had people donating portalettes and there were people come like oh hundreds and thousands what day of is this so at this point, that that's all very fuzzy for me. I can't really give you days. So the searching itself probably really started ramping up on Wednesday because we figured it out Monday night that he was missing. Tuesday, family was searching, small group was searching, and then by Wednesday it started ramping up. Okay. Um, the search was coordinated. Texas EquiSearch got involved and kind of gave us some tips on what to do. The police were clearly involved at that point. Um. You know, we had a couple of detectives that we were working with directly. Um, they were awesome. Does the FBI ever get involved in this? They did. Um, and so I'm not sure quite how that came about because typically when he, when you're 21, yeah, it, they don't. Like at some point they will. Would but they I do don't it know if, what if the, it was like under 18 or I think something? So. Yeah, okay. I think it would, would have been um, a clean cut. But I think once that many people got involved in the city of Cincinnati, I mean, it was everywhere. They were... Yeah, Mercy, because he was a coach at Mercy. I think there were they were headed on their billboards. There were flyers. The the number of people that came out to help and the younger kids couldn't help, but they, he had so many little yeah. swimmers that just loved, loved him, him and the parents. And so they were all posting signs, and it was um, it was the support we had was amazing. Yeah, I, I can't even I can't even tell you. Did you just, know it then? Uh no, because then I had a glimmer of hope. Then I was like, okay, maybe we haven't found him. Maybe, you know, maybe. And then there were sightings and people were like, oh, we saw him here. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. Um, there was poor, a poor kid wandering around Clifton who looked apparently just like Brogan. Oh, no. And got, yeah, he, poor, poor kid. Let me yeah. just tell you that. At one point, yeah. some of our volunteers were like, Take off your glasses because you're not doing yourself a favor. Put your contacts in. This yes. broken head, very distinctive glasses. Um, glasses. Yeah. So um, we had to go down and do an interview with the detectives. And it was like in an interrogation room, you know, we're sitting at a table and one way glass or whatever. And we had, it was taped and we had to go through the whole thing. And at that point during that interview, my husband said out loud, 
I think Brogan's dead. Mm. And, you know, I was a little bit shocked, but I think at the same time, like in my heart, I knew it. I just wasn't ready to admit that yet. Yeah. Had he said that out loud to you before that? Um, I don't know that he said it that clearly. Like, I think we'd all, there were like, we'd allude to things, but, um, you know, and again, I apologize, but it was kind of foggy time and yeah, there was well, all of kinds course. of stuff going yeah. on. But I just remember that time it hit home that, that, hmm, you know. Um, but then we were driving from downtown from that interview out to the search uh, headquarters and he said, I always knew that Brogan would do something great in his life. This isn't what I thought it was. And I just remember that hitting home like, yeah, he was destined for some kind of greatness. I mean, he was just that kind of person. He he was not an angel. Don't don't let me. <laughs> right. He, You're he not was very rough in high school. Yes, let me yes. just say that. He, yeah, I had a hard time with that one. But um I mean, people just loved him. You could see it in the eyes of his swimmers, and totally, you know, I he heard worked about at the it zoo. All from the swimmers. And, yeah, I know. I loved found that out. the zoo. Um, I was just at the zoo today too. Really, so it was he really has a bench there. Where? When you first walk in, to the left is the um, gift shop. Yes, it's right in front of the gift shop, oh and gosh. then there's a tree right there. That's his treat too. And then he has a brick. But, um, yeah, greatness, mm-hmm. greatness. Mm-hmm. So, um, shout out to. The Purcell class from Tom and my St. Ursula class who put that all together. They did that. Yeah. And the that. zoo donated the brick. But um, yeah. And there were more people who who helped with the tree and the bench. But those were the. Those are the main. Those are our yeah. big alum friends. Yeah. Um, so anyway, when, when kids would come to the zoo, he'd say, you know, what's your favorite animal? And oh, we'll go at this time because they're doing this with that animal at this time. Or did you know this? And he'd some random fact about the animal. Uh, he wasn't just like, mm, take your ticket and head right. in. He was very he engaging. It. Yeah. Um, and then he had to make the choice between the zoo and coaching. I mean, and coaching. he, um, it was really hard. He had a really hard time with that, but he opted to coach. So, and then they, we kind of had to call off the search just because we had searched everywhere so many times and it was just, you know, we were doing regular searches. We were doing deep searches, which they had people going in and just like what does that mean? raking, like going into the bushes and pulling aside oh. everything and going into some places that were. Could you guys see where his phone went? Um, no, it was pinged in like Avondale, but it's not. It wasn't on, and oh. it wasn't. Um, and I know they're towers. Yeah, so, so could, it was towers, it, it, and it wasn't. It wasn't a smartphone, I don't think. I think he'd already lost that. So he was onto a, he was using an old flip like phone a flip. somewhere. Oh so it wasn't quite as easy to track it. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that they found like six phones or something like d- during the search. And they'd bring them in. They'd bring clothes in. And we had to like identify to say, see if they were his. They weren't. Um, but I know at one point when the FBI was involved, one of the agents was like, how did you find six cell phones? Like, how does that even happen? happen. You know? But um, what was the difference between what the FBI did and what detectives did? So um, Cincinnati police were doing, you know, everything they could. They had officers everywhere and doing. But then we were notified that or the I guess the FBI came to us and said, we're going to help out on this. We're stepping in. So it was it was kind of crazy. We had um, each of us had like our own agent assigned to us initially. They came to the house and they interviewed all of us. 
separately and away from each other, I guess. And they were getting ready to profile him. So we all had to answer these questions and then they would have put it all together. So that was kind of crazy. Um, They were phenomenal. They were awesome. They were so compassionate, so caring. That was, that was amazing. Um, That was on Friday. Yeah. And so then the profiling probably wouldn't have happened till Monday. And then we found him. So that never happened. Okay. So they weren't involved that long. Okay. But, um, you know, they searched his apartment. They searched and they talked to so many people and no idea. No idea where he'd gone. So where did he go? He went next door. He went into the house next door and went down into the basement. And he hung himself. And... You know, I'm not sure because I didn't do a lot of those searches because I was sort of, A, it was really, really difficult. Yeah. When when they were doing all that searching, people were going door to door all through Clifton. And he went to as far um, as Max, Pete's okay. Max bar or something. Okay. And so there was video of him from people. They had like video cameras out there. Yeah. Apartments along McMillan. And so there was a video of him running behind his friend who had his other friend in a shopping cart that they must have taken from Kroger. Um, And it was very distinct which one was broken because there were limbs going everywhere. And again, he was not a graceful runner. But um, so they had that. Then they saw him again, like heading the other way, looking down. And so his story was he lost his phone. Okay. And which is probably what happened. Um, And he was drinking. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't thinking rationally. But, you know, I don't know where or why he came back without his phone. And then that's all they could see. And there was nothing. Um, so it was just strange. Yeah. They went. So people were going door to door. They didn't uh, find him. You know, nothing. And there was someone working on that house. It was that. It was kind of weird. Like, I don't really yeah. know how that all played out because I wasn't there. But there was someone working on the house, and they were saying, no, there's no one in here. There's no one here. And they're like, have you searched? No. You know, again, I don't know everything, but it was just. So in the back of that house was a fire escape, and it was up pretty far. And after they found him, people were like, you know, we never thought he would be inside. You know, how could he even get up there? Well, okay, so he couldn't move well on land, but he could climb just about anything. So. There was a, some sort of wooden thing. I don't know what it was, but I've never been in the backyard. Someday maybe, but I have yeah. not. So he got on this wooden thing and then apparently was able to scale the wall or something. And again, he had really long arms. So he was able to climb this fire escape. He broke a window up on the top floor and went in through there and then made his way down to the basement. Beth, do you, did he ever have symptoms? So, you know, Brogan... Are you probably sick of that question? No, I'm not sick of it. Um, but let me just say that we were blindsided. Okay. I mean, I remember when the um, homicide detective showed up, and he was not... We'd never met him before, but at the house, and, and he told us that they had found him and, and that he had, you know, he, he had died. And I remember him saying something about they found him in a hanging position. or It was really weird. Um, and I turned around, I was just like, what? Like, I, I just couldn't even get my head around that fact. Yeah. That that he had died by suicide. Um, in hindsight, there were, there were things, you know, Brogan had done some things and he was doing some self-medication, um, nicotine, alcohol, caffeine, um, 
um, he probably was smoking pot. Yeah. Um, but, well, not probably. He was smoking pot. Um, but nothing I ever thought was to excess. Uh, you know, he wasn't showing up messed up all the time. So, I, I And he was going to school and he was a coach. Like, So his coaching, he was really good at. He was very focused on that. He loved the kids. Um, he loved doing both programs. He... He wasn't doing well in school, which I didn't catch initially. Yeah. And again, in hindsight, I think, okay, well, there was a huge flag. But what did I do? Okay, you got to do better in school. Like, what's going on? You need to put your nose to the to the book. Yeah. You need to get. And I, I didn't. I didn't ask him why aren't you doing well. Like that just wasn't. And now that's so. When my kids are starting to have trouble now, I ask why. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what's going on here because. I can't just be the disciplinarian and be like, you go to school where I'm not paying for it, that kind right. of thing. Um, so I've learned that. But, um, you know, he he had, a, in hindsight, anxiety, yeah. um, not treated. Um, he, he, but he'd found ways of coping, like the swimming, that he spent yeah. a lot of time in the water and he was a distance swimmer. So I think that helped him through high school. And Do you think it was impulsive? Like, you know, some suicides are not premeditated. They're, they can be just pretty impulsive because of. Yeah, I mean, or... I, I don't think it was totally impulsive. I, I have to believe he'd thought about it. Okay. Um, whether he was planning to do it that night or whether it was just something he'd thought about. I don't know that he had a plan in place. I don't know why he chose that basement. All I can kind of think is that maybe he was hoping nobody he knew would find him. Um, mm. That's what I choose to believe. Yeah. Um, but which is what happened. So that's good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was drunk and you definitely make bad decisions when you're drunk. Did he take his life because he was drunk? I don't believe that. But okay. I don't think it. I don't think it helped the situation. Yeah. I think it made he had a way of having knee jerk reactions and maybe he thought losing his phone and not doing well in school and whatever, you know, his brother was moving to Chicago, his roommate. Um, so he had some changes going on and I think, you know, I think it all kind of maybe came to a head. So, uh, my sister told me that there have been some cool things that have happened since he passed away that I want you to share. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That, so that he lets you know that he's still, still around yeah um so that was that was really hard um dealing with my kids planning a funeral after oh having God. all this other you know it's just really hard so i remember and brogan had like 41 cousins or something insane mm -hmm. so we were trying to figure out like at the mass how are we going to honor all those cousins because he was or have them you know honor him however that relationship because he's very close to all of them so I remember sitting on the couch with one of my nieces and we're going back and forth like, what do you do? And, you know, people sometimes carry flowers up at the offertory. And I was kind of like, you know, I that's just not Brogan. And that's a heck of a lot of flowers to <laughs> not use again. You know, I was yeah. just like, I couldn't. So all of a sudden it kind of came to both of us like peacock feathers. Like, that, yes, because he loved the zoo and he swore that he could make the peacock <laughs> make it sound and I will not try to imitate it for you but it's kind of a wonky sound if you've never heard it so um but he swore he could 
speak to it that way. So we're like, yeah, peacock feathers, awesome. So I'm on Amazon, and oh, and he he was also very clear that it was a peacock and a peahen because oh my a god, female is a peahen, peahen, not a peacock. So don't call it that. Um, but anyway, so I'm on Amazon, you know, like looking for feathers and how we're gonna do whatever. And another niece called me and said, or texted me and said, hey, can you use peacock feathers? The zoo just called and they have just a ton of peacock feathers they said we can have. Are and you I was like, me? yeah, see, I have goosebumps again. But we, I was like, what just happened? So I'm like, okay, yeah, great. So we get the peacock feathers and that's all set. And they're from the peacocks that he loved at the zoo. You know, they're not some Gosh. random peacock feathers off Amazon. Right, right. Um, so <laughs> love Amazon, but, um, <laughs> you know, these are special peacock They feathers. are. <laughs> so that's he, insane. Yeah. Well, it gets better. So then apparently this is all starting to come together with different kids telling me these things. It didn't all. So I don't know that I shared that necessarily with my whole family until after. But at the um, funeral home, it's fam- It's a fan- family funeral home. It's right. Gilligan. But yeah. um, they have these wrought iron doors that cover the regular doors. Okay. And Betsy kept going, mom, mom. And she's in seventh grade. And, you know, I'm. I'm kind of dealing with some stuff right there. Right. And uh, finally, she's like, look, look, those doors, they're peacocks. And so the ironwork in the doors were peacocks. And I was like, okay, well, that's getting kind of crazy. So then my son, one of the kids pulled me aside and said, have you heard Tim's story yet? And I said, no. And this is... Um, Tim, your son, not Tim your is, brother. Tim is my... Yeah, Tim, my son. Okay. I can call him Timmy, which is what Timmy. I normally call him, yeah. but... yeah. Sorry, Tim. Um, but he, apparently he, and he, you know, he was speaking to Brogan and he said, Brogan, just show me you're okay. Show me you're okay in like a, a bird, you know, or something. He said something like that. It, yeah. But it was, and so he was driving on this random road in Anderson Township. It's like, um, it's a dirt road. It's a cut through road. I don't know why he took it. He says he doesn't know why he took it. Because um, it's literally you cross three creeks and there's potholes and everything else. But he's taking this road, this route with a buddy or two, and there's something in the road and he stops and they get a, it's a peacock. Like, okay. Because we have peacocks all over Anderson Township. Right. Like none. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously there must be some, but so that sort of, yeah, that all happened at the same time. And then there were just like little things that just kept coming up. Peacock feathers here or peacock this or peacock it was just strange so then not strange it was very cool yeah um one we my husband and i went to puerto rico uh not too long after brogan had died and it was a business thing and we got in it was dark whatever next morning tom got up and he was out on the uh, balcony and i was still in bed and asleep and i hear this sound and i was like no way And Tom comes in, he goes, did you just hear that? And I was like, is that a peacock? And absolutely. So when we went downstairs, there was like a whole garden off of our hotel that was, well, yeah, down below, that was all these different kinds of peacocks. And we were with the business group and everyone in that group was assigned uh, rooms in a different tower. And for whatever reason, we ended up in that tower. Maybe one other couple did, just random. And it was this like peacock garden. That was pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah. So. I totally believe in those things. Yeah, it was. 
well, there was a really cool story with your mom and your dad. I don't know if you've heard the story, no. but um, so when my mother died, she died pretty young. And when she died um, at the cemetery, the kids, my dad told the kids all to take a flower. Yeah. And my son, Adam, took a yellow rose. And Sue was babysitting. She must have been babysitting my two younger kids. And yes, so we went. Sue's my sister. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We went by their house, your mom's house. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe she was babysitting Sarah. I don't know. But anyway, okay. your niece. But anyway, yeah. we go there. Um, Adam says, hey, Aunt Sue. Hey, Aunt Sue. Here. And he hands her. And maybe they were leaving in the car. Whatever. He hands her this yellow rose. Steve. That's what it was. Steve. Suzanne's husband walked in, handed it to your mom, and she just started crying because she had asked for a sign that your dad was okay. Yes. And she never told anybody what the sign was. And it and was it that was, she yeah. would receive a yellow rose, single yellow rose from. So I knew that she received it, but I didn't know who she got it from. Yeah. So that's the story. My was from my mom's. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I believe in those signs. So I'm sure a lot of parents have either gone through this or they're worried about their kids committing suicide. And what, how do you usually coach or help them through that process? Okay, first, I'm going to correct you, not to be rude. Yes, correct me. But um, the language that we like to use is not commit suicide. Thank you. Because it sounds like commit murder. It has a negative oh. connotation. So you can say died by suicide. Died by suicide. There you go. See, that's good. And now you are working for a company called Five and one. one Damn and it. Five. One in five. <laughs> one in five. I do that every time. One in five. Just remember. No, that's good. You need to say that because listeners will say that too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Died by suicide. All right. Even the language that we use needs to be a shift, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't call people crazy. Um, I mean, there are t there are times where it's okay. You know, yeah. she was dancing crazy or whatever, but, <laughs> um, and that was or like, you're so crazy. You're <laughs> so crazy. Um, but yeah, there are definitely words that are phrases that are probably inappropriate. Yeah. But I'm not going to go into all of them. But yes. yeah. Um, so I have had a lot of people come to me. And in the beginning, I was, uh, I'm very much a solo griever and a solo person. So yeah. when I was spiraling downward, I didn't want to be around anyone, anything. Group therapy, not happening, was yeah. not a fan. We went through Fernside, loved it for the kids. Uh, I struggled a little bit with the whole group aspect of it. But again, I loved Fernside. Uh, sure. My daughter, that was great for her. But um, so whatever, I saw a therapist immediately. And I think that's helped me help other people because I, I had never seen a therapist. And now I'm saying to people, get help. Don't try to do this alone. Mm. Don't get your family. We, that was the first thing we did. All eight of us were in there. And well, not eight, clearly. Brogan wasn't there. But um, we all went in and did some family therapy together. And just here's what to watch for. Here's what you can do. Um, some of them continued on with different therapists or whatever. Um, but And I still see one because she's awesome. Because she's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I need it. But um, so... So what I tell parents is, you know, what we do at one in five, which stands for one in five people have a, um, a mental illness condition or disorder. Mm -hmm. So 20% of the population, adolescents and adults. And that's where the name came from. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, 
So we have lots of resources and that's what I usually direct people towards, you know, the resources we have and how to deal with it. And now that I'm working there, I get a ton of calls from people in complete panic. You know, I don't know what to do. My child just did this or, you know, I think this. Um, Personally, what I have figured out is that it's the question thing. Like uh, I have a couple of kids who who are dealing with very real um, issues, depression, anxiety, and didn't one of them I didn't know about it, and he was doing dealing with it the entire time that Brogan was, mm-hmm. and I had no idea. And now we have the conversation because I know how to have a conversation. I'm not afraid, and I was also ignorant before, and not in a bad way. You just didn't I just know what didn't, you didn't know. know exactly. So uh, we're all very open. You know, how you doing today? How you doing? You know, um, we're not afraid to talk about it. We're not afraid to ask questions. We we respect boundaries, but we also check in. I get that you might not want to talk about this right now, but I am here. And if you think you need to talk to somebody else, then we need to go there and get that done. Yeah. Um, you know, medication. It's important. You yeah. know, it's no different than anything else you have. I have high blood pressure. I take medication. Right. I have a seizure disorder. I take medication. Yeah. Um. So, you know, the brain's a funny thing and there are chemical issues and sometimes that's what you need. Um, so therapy's great, but sometimes you need medication. Medication's great, but you should have therapy. So there's no one solution. So did you, right after Brogan died, did you go right into the nonprofit or was that a number of years later? Because I know you guys did the great greatness or the great day, eight days. or Yeah, yeah. we did eight days of greatness days because... Of greatness. Um, Brogan had a coach who said to him, get, you know, when you get in there and to compete, this could be your last chance for greatness. And Brogan was telling his swimmers that. So he'd passed that along. And so then he was missing for eight days. So we decided the following year to honor those eight days where the city just came out and helped us and all the support we received because I couldn't really do it at the time. I couldn't express my appreciation. So we picked um, eight different character traits that we felt Brogan embodied and, and had people do something around those traits each of the eight days. I did it. Yeah. Yay. Do it again this year. It'll be out there. We have, um, and it always ends on Memorial Day. So it's not the exact dates of his, that he was missing and he he died, but um, it always ends on Memorial Day and that day of celebration. And it's just a way for us to remember Brogan. Everyone's got, you know, Memorial Day plans and it's, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I joined one in five last year. Okay. Uh, I'd been doing the same thing since I was in college, loved, absolutely loved what I did, but just decided it was time for a change, and it's been amazing. And what are you doing there? Um, Well, in general, one in five, we work to put um, evidence-based educational programming in the local schools, K through 12. So we kind of, and it's all customized. We do an analysis of the school through climate surveys, and then we go in and recommend programming for them. So I am the operations manager it's a really yeah, I've cool got a title. nice title. Uh-huh. Um, but we were funded solely by, you know, grants and fundraising. So, you know, we just kind of get out there and put our hands out and we're getting ready for our big spring for life gala. And nice. Yeah. In April. So that's where we make a good, good amount of money. We have a great program where people talk about mental health and how it's impacted them. They're very, we're very much into storytelling. So a lot of high school and college kids will come in and we videotape and we post those stories on our social media. We have really good social media presence. 
Um, but these kids are willing to tell their stories because they feel like if they tell their story, more people will be open about it because we're all about stopping the stigma. So I'm going to close out with that because that's exactly why I wanted you to be here on the show today. And I want to say thank you because you took time out of your day. Absolutely. And you shared some stories that probably weren't the easiest, but I'm glad that you said you liked talking about Brogan. That was on it. That was, I don't think that's on here, but that was, uh, we cut that out, but you did say that. Yes. Yes. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. 